grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, when you see these things taking place, straighten up, raise your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. You may be seated. Autumn is beautiful. Changing leaves, colorful black backdrop when you walk outside or drive to a various destination. There is crisp, it's refreshing, smells of pumpkin, apple, various spices. Yet changing leaves contain an ominous stare for what lies ahead. They will wither, they'll fall to the ground, which isn't necessarily anything bad, but I hate yard work. There I said it. It's off my chest. I don't like anything that has to do with yard work, gardening, landscaping, or anything and everything in between. I don't enjoy it. It's far from relaxing. I had a pastor growing up, but that's how he would relax on his day off, and I always thought, what sick and twisted mind has come up with that? It's just not pleasant. Sorry for those who are in that business. But Jesus uses a parable today to teach you something, not about yard work, but about your life and him in these latter days. So listen again to what your Lord said. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So those events then that Jesus is talking about as we look around these things, and he uses that example of the fig tree of kind of the opposite with spring and then into summer, it sounds a whole lot like any given year, month, week, or day in the news. Jesus said there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations, in perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So we see these things around us, we see the events of this world, we see anything and everything in between, but as Christians you see and hear these things differently. And even though you see them just as an unbeliever would see them, that is, you see them around you in this world, and they may impact you, you know that as a Christian, Jesus is pointing you something about your future. Because living as a Christian is not some pie-in-the-sky abstract notion, nor it is a life where you're secluded away in some village, sheltering yourself from what is around you, like some M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, which is a terrible movie. You live in the, whole, in the estates of this world, in the church, and in the family and society that God has called you to in various vocations in those estates. You're in this world. You're serving in this world. You're living in this world. You're interacting with it. And that's good. But God teaches you, though, that even as you're in this world, it's not the same as those who don't belong to Christ. In 1 John 2, God says through the pen of St. John, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So that passage from 1 John echoes much of what Jesus says here in the Gospel reading from Luke, and you are warned about as you walk by faith through this world and in it. Jesus said, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So that temptation is real, and it's great to get weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, cares of this life. More than once, Jesus warns about this. Think about the parable of the sower, when Jesus taught about the seed that fell upon the rocky ground and thorns. He said, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. When the cares of this life, and that's more than just worrying about things, it's getting caught up in the cares of this life to the point where they distract you, they've swallowed up your time, your attention, your energy, your money. What soon will happen is you will be unprepared for the Lord to return. Out of sight, out of mind when it comes to the things of God, the church, the Bible, and what it means to live your baptismal life, that's a recipe for falling into unbelief and falling into hell. Rather than straightening up and looking for your redemption as drawing near, as Jesus says, that is being concerned with those things of God, looking up through the ears of faith, hearing his word, and looking down and reading the scriptures in prayer, we look for every other way where we might have redemption, or at least think we do. Then, suddenly, the day comes. Jesus returns. You're found unprepared, not concerned, apathetic, or even hostile to what Christ teaches. Are there second chances then? Are there opportunities to reevaluate your life and priorities? Well, what does Jesus say? For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So the answer is no, for it will come upon all, all people. And you will stand before the Son of Man, just as we've been hearing about the past few weeks at the end of the church year, about the coming of Jesus and the Day of Judgment. And how many times have we heard that call to stay awake? That first reading puts that image of judgment before you as well, and it's the last chapter of the Old Testament, well, in English at least, when Malachi prophesied, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked. 
For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So the call goes out today as you hear that word of God. God preaches to the people of Zion. Your Lord speaks. He says, repent. And he warns you so that you are not caught unaware. The warnings of Jesus and all the scriptures are serious and something to heed as well as learn from as you go through this life living in this world. And so Jesus says, don't forget who has called you to be. Don't lose sight of him. Don't lose sight of what is to come. So where does that leave you then? Well, let's go back to what Jesus says. Jesus also says to you this very day, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. That's the Advent faith the Lord gives you, and that he teaches you that you have as you go through this world. So even as you experience all these things in life in these later days, you do so as one who knows what is to come, or maybe we should say, rather, who is coming. So when you see the events of this world and all that is sin, death, and crafts and assaults of the devil, you lament them. You pray for God's people, and you look to where redemption and deliverance is found. The epistle reading says beautifully, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, and accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is coming, he tells you. He says that through the scriptures. So be encouraged and hope in him for that day. So those eyes by which you view the world around you are the eyes of faith, which is to say you see these things. You know them, and you have God's word, which points you to the glory to come. Because here's the thing in all of this. You have Christ in this life. Your sin is forgiven because he's saved you from sin, death, and the devil. So you know that your redemption is drawing near when Jesus returns because your salvation has been accomplished. You have it. So you straighten up. You lift up your heads with confidence because you belong to Christ. And you're baptized into him and your sin is forgiven. Even if that day comes when you are in your grave, you will straighten up as you are raised from the dead. And so you straighten up and look forward to that day to come, even as you proclaim his death by eating and drinking his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. So be encouraged. Have hope for Jesus is coming. And that's always the thing about hope in the scriptures. It's not wishful thinking. We misuse that word in English nowadays. Hope is always a sure and certain thing in the scriptures. Our second daughter is Anastasia Hope because of the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life, the resurrection of the body. So the resurrection hope, it will happen. Jesus will come. He will come for you. He will take you to be with himself. He will raise you from the grave. He will recreate. He will give you a new heavens and a new earth, and you will be there forever. That is your hope. That is sure, that is certain, and is what you will have. So say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard. You shall have gladness of heart. So that's you. The antiphon of the intro today is talking about you. You are the daughter of Zion. You're God's people. You're the church. 
So behold, your salvation comes. God says to you, the people of Zion, your salvation comes. Rejoice and be glad in your hearts for your Lord comes to you. Now I still don't like yard work, but every year I know the leaves will bud and come back and I enjoy seeing them when they are adorning the trees and yes, even when they turn colors right before they fall. And I give thanks to God when we had a week like last week and the wind just blew a lot of them out of my yard too. That was nice. But considering all this, your Lord has said to you this morning, see your life in this world. Know that you are in this world and it's lived in a way that Jesus fixes your eyes on him and what is to come. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. So that's something to cling to as his word is your hope. Look around and know, as the song says, the best is yet to come. So straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. It most certainly is. For Jesus has come, he comes now. And he's coming for you, dear people of Zion. Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.